it's good to see y'all here. As we sing out this morning, we're starting our, our series in Revelation, and we're just going to sing about the awesome God that we serve. He is an unstoppable God. So right here, sing with me.
awesome singing this morning already. You may be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to Harmony. Whether you're here in person or online, we want to say thank you for allowing us to be a part of your day. Well, today we kick off a brand new series entitled Revelation, The Best is Yet to Be. Now, I know a lot of times when we hear that word revelation, we're thinking end times, we're, we're thinking mark of the beast, we're thinking all kinds of different things like who's the Antichrist going to be and all kinds of things that are unfolding in culture and society around us. And, and if you're hoping to get the answers to all of that today, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to have to come back next week, all right, because we're talking about that next Sunday. Actually, we'll give you more information as we kick off the series today in the message to let you know what to expect. Well, we had an incredible week uh, of events here at, at Harmony. Uh, we started last week with uh, Easter, great time. Uh, then on Friday evening, we had a gathering uh, with the men, and, and the message from Brian Gunn was uh, timely. Uh, and I just want to encourage you, if you were a part of that, to remember those words, guys, and uh, remember uh, that God doesn't ask us to be perfect. He just asks us to follow him the best that we can and, and do what he asks us to do and trust him with the results. And, and that always makes the difference. Today, uh, we're starting that new series that we talked about, and I'll be sharing that in just a moment from Revelation chapter 1 is where we'll be today. Uh, I want to ask you to make a just some prayer requests this morning, if you would. I want to ask you to, re to remember uh, Shirley Larman's family. Uh, Shirley has, has been uh, over uh, in the Cloverdale, Cloverdale area uh, for a, a while, uh, staying in an assisted facility uh, over there. And uh, she's not been sick, no uh, medical issues. But on uh, Friday, uh, she had a, a, an episode. The doctors weren't certain as to what happened. Uh, it came again yesterday. Uh, and they were not able to go ahead and, and get her back. Uh, so uh, she is now with the Lord, and she's celebrating. Uh, her faith has become sight, but her family uh, needs our prayers. And, and I just want to ask you to pray uh, for the Shirley Larman family. Pray for uh, Christine, her daughter, and, and the different ones uh, that we're connected to. I also uh, got a phone call yesterday, uh, last, late last night actually, uh, that Carl Miller, Larry Miller's father, passed away. Uh, and uh, we want to pray for Larry uh, and Debbie Miller in uh, their time of loss and grief uh, as well. So remember them as you go throughout your week uh, in, in your prayers and just ask that God would comfort and give them the strength and the hope that they need. Well, today, if you're a, a guest with us today, we just want to say thank you for being here and being a part of our service today. Uh, we're honored uh, that you've uh, chosen to allow us to share a little bit of time uh, with you today. And if today's your first time, please stop by uh, the Connection Center before you leave today. We would love the opportunity to learn more about you and how we can assist you during this time in your life. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Then we're going to stand and sing a couple more songs. And then we'll dive in to the message of Revelation, seeing Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all the things that are going on in hearts and lives. Lord, today at the close of the service, we, we have the opportunity for baptisms. And uh, we're thankful for those who've stepped be forward and said, look, I want to follow you and I want to be baptized. Lord, I just uh, ask that today as we celebrate, as we look to your word, as we sing songs that are about you, Lord, that you'll speak to hearts, that you'll guide and direct and Lord, that you'll help us to hear from you. Lord, for those that are, are hurting right now, those that are struggling, they're needing your help and comfort in moments of grief, or they're looking for answers to the, the questions where they're feeling uncertain. Father, I ask that today we would, we would get those answers, we would receive that strength, that we would hear from you. Father, be with us, we pray, for it's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Stand with us one more time. These next couple songs just talk about Jesus. He can't be stopped. And we get an opportunity at the end of Revelation as we see it to worship him forever. So think about the words of these songs as we go into the Revelation series. The enemy fall. 
stop our God. There's nothing that can stop our God. There is nothing. Do you believe that? There is nothing. There's nothing that can stop our God. There's nothing that can stop our God. There's nothing that can stop our God. There is nothing. There is nothing. There's nothing that can stop our God. There's nothing that can stop our God. There's nothing that can stop our God. There is nothing. There is nothing. Move on our minds. Break through our chains. Jesus will triumph over the grave. Sing hallelujah. I love this one. Nothing can stand against my God. Sing hallelujah. I love this one. Nothing can stand against my God. He promised that nothing can stand against him.
with me this morning. Father, I'm so thankful that you've given us hope for today, that you've given us a vision of the future that is unlike anything that we can imagine. And as we sang this morning, you are worthy of our worship. You are holy, and you indeed are the only one that is worthy of worship. So, Father, today as we delve into the book of Revelation, I pray that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds to the theme of the book, to what it means for us today that we can make better decisions on how to live for you. And, Father, again, I'm just thankful for how you love us, your love, your mercy, and your grace. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we said just a few moments ago, if you're here with us today for the first time, you're watching online for the first time, we want to welcome you, and uh, we thank you for the opportunity to speak into your life and to share some moments with you today. Today, we are kicking off a series entitled, Revelation, The Best Is Yet to be. Now, I know right away some people would say, John, when you talk about the end times, when you talk about apocalyptic endings, when you talk about the mark of the beast and people having shortages and famines and uh, pestilence and sickness and all of these kind of, of things, some people would say, how can you say the best is yet to be? Well, the reality is this. When we dive into the book of Revelation and we begin to see Revelation as it's intended, here's what we're going to, to get. We're going to get a glimpse of Jesus. Let me ask you something. Have you ever looked at a, a picture, a painting, a puzzle, uh, something online or in person, and, and you've gotten so lost in the detail that you don't see what the author, the painter, the artist, the writer, the designer intended you to see? Has that ever happened before? It, maybe when you look at, at life, you look at a situation and, and you think, man, it's absolutely perfect. And, and, and then you, you get a, an insight, to, an inside scoop, maybe from somebody that's living in that situation, someone that's dealing with that circumstance. And, and all of a sudden, you discover, man, when I get up close and I get to know a little bit more about it, it's not what I thought it was at first. Well, I want to tell you today that the book of Revelation is much more than a book in the Bible that is at the end and just gives us this cataclysmic event and closing out and that's all there is. You see, when we look at the book of Revelation, what we're going to discover is Jesus. We're going to discover Jesus as he was and as he is and as he will be. So today and in the weeks ahead, it, it's my hope, not that you'll discover how the mark of the beast is going to be given, not that you'll discover who I think the Antichrist might be or where the final battles are, are going to, to play out. It's my desire that you will see Jesus and get a good glimpse of him because when we begin to see Jesus in the book of Revelation for who he is and all that he has, we begin to piece the events together around him. And it's really critical that we see Jesus as the primary person of Revelation. So let's just uh, jump in and, and read Revelation chapter 1. In Revelation chapter 1, in the first few verses, what we're going to discover is, is something that's, that's very important, very practical for, for you and for me as we live right here, right now. You see, for the book of Revelation, there's a lot of people that, that say, man, I, I, I've, I've heard about it and, and it all has to do with future things. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You're looking at a guy this morning, and some of you are a part of that. Now, I grew up in church. My dad was the pastor, so, so this is the truth. From this side of, of the, the platform, right, to, to that side of the platform in the church I grew up in, the, the platform was, was that wide. There was this massive banner and timeline that was up there for years that you looked at all of the events. And, and I want to tell you something. I, I think I memorized that chart. It was up there so long. Just as a, a little kid, you, you, you could see that chart from from high up to to down and, and and you would see the events and the timeline as things were going to unfold so so people said look i know about those events and and, and i'm not certain i want to hear about any more of those events because you know what it really doesn't matter i'm i'm not going to be here when some of them play out well i hope that's right because if you know jesus you won't be here for all of those right that that's that's an important thing but then there's some that say, wow, I want to know more about it. And when's it going to work out? 
And, and are we going to be pre-trib or post-trib or, or are we going to be some other setting and, and situation? And, and, and here's what I'll, I'll tell you. Whether you take the position of pre or post, I, I can tell you this. It's all going to pan out, all right? Now, I know what I believe, and we'll get to it in just a, a couple of weeks, and, and it's the position that, that, that we have. But, but here's what I want you to get today. I want us to understand that no matter what side of the spectrum we're on, whether we've been through it before or whether we love staying in it and looking at it and learning more about it, my hope, no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, is that we would see Jesus because that's how Revelation starts out. In Revelation chapter 1, in verse number 1, it just says this, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant john who bore witness to the word of god and to the testimony of jesus christ to all things that he saw blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. In those three verses, we're going to just walk through them, and, and we're going to eventually walk through the entire chapter this morning, and, and we'll be talking quickly and, and looking and, and taking some things in. But one of the things that we look at in, in Revelation, and one of the things that we see right away in the, the book of Revelation as we begin to piece things together is, is this. In, in verse number one of Revelation chapter one, here's what we learn about the book of, of Revelation. It doesn't tell us anything about the mark of the beast. It doesn't tell us anything about the Antichrist. It tells us that Jesus Christ is the primary character of the book. When we look at Revelation, here's what I want you to see. The central character is Christ. If we could just bring everything back to Jesus Christ, it would make a tremendous difference. Let, Let me ask you something today. Do you think your life would look a little bit different if Jesus was the central character of your life? If everything revolved around Christ and Christ was at the center, do you think there would be some decisions that you made differently occasionally? Do you think that life might look a little bit different? When we look at Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 1, John gives us a writing. He gives us a description, and here's what he says. He says, I want you to understand that this book is all about Jesus. And today, if we would just prioritize our life and and say, look, I want my life to be all about Jesus. If Jesus became the central character of our life, it would make an incredible difference. Imagine our society and our culture, the struggles that would abruptly come to an end if we just took the position and we just learned from Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 1 that Christ was meant to be not just the central character of a book, but the central character of your life, my life, the central character of the world. You see, that's that's what's unfolding, and that's what's happening. One day, he's going to be the central character. He is right now, okay? Some people just don't know it. But John is saying, look, here's what's going to happen. This is who he is, and this is what will happen take place. So as we start right out of the gate in Revelation chapter 1 and and verse number 1, we see that he's the the central character of the book. The central character is Christ. So what does Revelation really mean? Revelation means that we're, we're peeling back, we're unveiling. We're getting a look up close and personal at who Jesus is. You see, the first time that Jesus entered this world, he he came what? Veiled in flesh. The first time he he entered this world, he came and and, and he took upon himself limitations. He he identified with you and I. He walked around in in flesh, right? He he looked like the the people around him. They could reach out and, and touch him. And there was striking similarities. But when we look at the central character of Christ that's brought out in the, the book of Revelation, we, be, we began to discover and see someone who is so much more, so much more powerful, so much more practical in our lives. So Revelation really reveals who Jesus is. It, it's, it's a picture where, where things are, are being peeled away, layers are stripped away, and we see Jesus at the central core of who he is. Adrian Rogers says it this way. 
When he came the, the first time, he came to a crucifixion. But when he comes again, he's coming to a coronation. When he came the first time, he, he came to a tree. But when he comes again, he's coming to a throne. When he came the first time, he stood before Pilate to be judged. But when he comes again, Pilate will stand before him to be judged. When he came the first time, he came as the suffering servant. When he comes the next time, he comes as Christ, the ruler, sovereign and king. You see, when, when he came the first time, he came to pay a price for you and for me. But when he comes again, he's coming to go ahead and make all things right, to make all things new, to make a new heaven and a new earth as he's promised as it unfolds in this scripture. So Christ is the central character. We look at what unfolds and how it happens in verse number two. And it says, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. You see, when we look at verse number one and verse number two and verse number three of Revelation, the Bible tells us that there's a, a clear central character and it's Christ but it tells us that there's a, a clear purpose and, and we take a look at that clear purpose what is that clear purpose it says God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw John is, is getting ready to, to have a vision, and we're going to see it in just a, a moment. But before that takes place, before it unfolds, we learn that there's a clear purpose. There's a, a clear central character, and his name is Jesus Christ. So, so what is that clear purpose? Well, you notice the word must is found in, in verse number one. It says things which must shortly take place. I want us to get, as we go through Revelation, that there's not a, a maybe, there's not a, a might be, there's not a, a could be. This is what will be. It says it must take place. There, there's a, a clear purpose to, to what's taking place. John is writing and he's saying, look, these things are going to happen. And, and here's what's going to happen. It's going to happen quickly. Quickly. Now, now some people think that, when we look at the, the certainty of it, right, the word must, and, and then we look at the, the closeness of the prophecy, which will shortly or quickly take place. And people think, wow, that means it's going to be next week. We, we, we think, look, it, it's, it's going to go ahead and, and, and maybe be tomorrow. Can I tell you something? Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1 can happen at any time. That's the, the rapture of the church. It can happen at any time. It is imminent, right? The apostle Paul was looking for Jesus to return in his day. John said, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We, we see those words. What quickly means is, is this. It's going to happen and be over before we realize what happened. It means that it's going to take place in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, right? The, the, the trumpet, it, it's, it's, it's just going to take place. It's going to unfold. It's going to happen. So we look at what it means for quickly. It's going to happen. Imagine that for, for just a moment. But it's just going to happen quickly. Well, one, one moment, everything's going to be seeming to be normal, and then it's going to happen. Did you know what John is, is telling us? That it's going to take place, and it's going to happen quickly. And when it happens, there's not going to be time for you and for me and for our neighbors to get ready. We better be ready. And can I tell you something? I firmly believe that the book of Revelation is given to us not so that we can try and set dates, not so that we can try and, and figure out all of the different details in it, but so that we know that God is serious 
that heaven is real and so is hell. And people have one life to live and, and death is certain and we've got an eternity to spend somewhere. And that we as the church, we who profess Jesus Christ as our Savior, need to understand that the prophecies must happen and they will happen quickly. And so the idea is this, we don't need to put it off and say, wow, that's for somebody else. That's for, for someone else. Some people feel this way when we start talking about the end times. They, 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 they want to say, man, I, I want to have a family. And I'm about ready to finish my degree. I've got plans. I've, I've got a hope out there in front of me. God, would you, would you let me just live a little bit of life? And one of the reasons that we say that is because it's what we know. And, and we want a good life, and we want a, a better life. But can I tell you something? Heaven is, is not going to just be out of this world figuratively, right, and literally. It's going to be a, a new world, a new heaven and a new earth. And, and it's greater than anything we could ever imagine. And John understood that because he had a glimpse of it. And he said, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The apostle Paul said, wow, would you come even now? He was looking for that. So there's the central character, which is Christ. It's verse number one. It's, it's right there. There's the clear purpose, the, the prophecy that, that it must happen, and then it's, it's close. It's close. You say, how close is it? I want to tell you a little secret. Every day that passes, it's one day closer. One day closer. One minute closer, an, an, an hour closer. It must happen. Do you realize that, that when we look at the life of Christ and we trace through Scripture, we find out that, that there's more than 300 prophecies that, that were fulfilled with, with his, his coming? We can go back and look at it and, and see it and understand it. So, so, so there's a certainty. There's a must that has to take place. So when we look at this concept of, of the central character and we look at, at a concept of a, a clear purpose, it gets even better. Some of you are, are just interested in, and you're sitting on the edge of the seat because you want to find out the details. I want to tell you something. There's a detail in verse number two and verse number three that ought to, to drive every one of us to his word. And here's the thing. It has nothing to do with figuring out all the details of the end times. And everything to do with figuring out the details of life right now. Think about that for just a moment. John writes and he says, look, there's a, a central character and his name's Jesus. He said there's a, a clear purpose because it must happen. But he, he goes ahead and, and he says, you know what? There's a, a promise that's, that's tucked away and, and here it is. It's, it's kind of calming. He says... And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. He says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of his prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. He said, there's a, a prophecy that's going to happen and it must happen. It's coming quickly. It says he signified it, which, which just means he sent it by his angel. It, it, it's a message from Jesus, and there's signs that we're going to see throughout Revelation. But he says in the midst of all this, there's something calming about it. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of his prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Now, when we look at what John writes, he says, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of wanting peace, in the midst of wanting a blessed life, here's how you can have it. Think about this for just a moment, the book of Revelation. Most of us get caught up in all the other details about it, and, and God's word says, blessed is he who reads it. Blessed is he who, who reads it. There, there's a, a, a calming promise in the midst of all the chaos. 
in the midst of all the things that unfold, in the midst of all the uncertainty, there's a calming promise. There's this promise that's there that says, look, when you go to God's word and you begin to read it, here's what it's going to do. It's going to bless you. It's going to give you the idea and the certainty that there is hope and that there is an answer. It gets better than that. It says, look, if you go ahead and, and read the word concerning this prophecy, all right, you, you read it, those who hear the words of this prophecy are also blessed. Well, what does that mean? That means to listen to it and, and let it soak in. Listen to it and, and, and to let it soak in. Then he, he says this, if you'll read it, if you'll listen to it, or, or you'll take it in, let it get into your heart. He says this, and keep those things which are written in it. Do you know what he says? He says there's a calming promise when you read it, when you listen to it, and when you live it. He says when you keep those things that are there, you're on the path to a blessed life. I wonder how many people today are missing out on a blessed life because we're seeking comfort and happiness and joy and peace and an answer from another book that that can't give us the answer. We're listening to another word that, that, that really can't calm the heart, that can't give the direction, that can't help us make the choice. Oh, it offers lots of different things, but, but it's really not going to be what, what we need. And, and John stands up and, and he gives us this letter called Revelation, and, and it reveals Jesus Christ in all of his fullness, in all of his glory. And he starts off and he says, I want you to know that he's the central character of the book, and he needs to be the central character of life. He continues and he says, there's a clear purpose, and it's to tell us of the things that must happen, not that could happen, not that might happen, but things that are are going to happen, and they are close. And he says, Jesus has signed off on it. He has sent the messenger, and now he's, he's giving us some things that we can look for, that we know what to expect. And he says, I know you don't understand it, but but get this. He says, there's a calming promise. When you read this word, you will be blessed. But let's look down a little further beyond these verses. And let's just walk through what happens. In verse number three, he says, for the time is near. In verse number four, it says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We're seeing a picture of Jesus, the beginning and the end. It starts with him. It's going to end with him. He controls everything in between. He's not just saying, look, I'm letter A and I'm letter Z in the alphabet. He's saying, here's what I am. It starts with me. It ends with me. This is all under my control. I have total authority and power and ability to hold it all together. But when we look at what's happening in those passage of verses that we read, we begin to read a prophecy that continues to unfold. In verse number three, it says, for the time is near. And then he says, look, this is going to happen. We've been made kings and priests by by Christ. He gave his life for us. He shed his blood for us. He made salvation possible. And he says, there is more to come. He says, there's a, a prophecy that is continuing. We read a little further. Verse number nine, he says, I, John, both your brother." And companion in the tribulation and the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of the trumpet. I think that Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 10 is probably one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. And I'll tell you why as we wrap things up just a little bit later. It says, verse number 11, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a, a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, and as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen. And the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. When we read down through there, you see a continuing prophecy. Meaning there is more to come. It's building. It's being unveiled. What what does that tell us? The Bible is full of continuing prophecy. You see, Revelation isn't just about a central character of Jesus being revealed. It's about prophecy being revealed and and how Christ is going to play a role in that and how many other things have already been revealed. Think about this for just a moment. Prophecies that have have been fulfilled, things that we've been told would would happen that, that have happened. How about the return of Israel? to their land. It took place in 1948. According to Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 15 and 16, most likely Russia would rise to to prominence and power. That has taken place. The revival of the Roman Empire, Revelation chapter 17, Daniel chapter 2, the the European Union and, and other things have already come together. And many scholars who are far smarter than me would say, look, there it is. It's already set. It's ready to go. What about the, the rise of the occult? In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1, the, 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 the word of God teaches us that, that when we get closer, those things are, are going to take place. Do you realize right now, on national news, on national media, you can look it up, Satanists are, are, are petitioning school boards everywhere saying, we want a club on this campus. It's happening in our communities. It's it's being fulfilled right before our very eyes. The word of God says, look, these are things that are going to unfold. It's going to happen. The rise of the occult. How about earthquakes? You ever notice that we, we hear about that continually? What about famine, pestilence? All of that's revealed in Matthew 24, 7 and continues. Back in 2013, Barna did a, a, a poll. And some people would say, well, well, they did a poll and, and it had a, a 3% margin of error. Well, well, listen to how significant their 3% margin of error is either way, right? Because it doesn't matter. It says that, that 40% of Americans, not American churchgoers, not people like you and me that would, would be classified as, as people that are fundamental in the faith or evangelicals. 40% believe that we're living in a day and age that could be classified as the end times because of things that are going on around us in the culture. Think about that for, for just a moment. 40%, nearly half of a nation says This is interesting. Keep in mind, that was in 2013. We go back and and we look at at the Jerusalem Post from April the 8th 
of 2022, 40% again are seeing prophetic happenings taking place because of events like Russia invading the Ukraine. Things like COVID being labeled as pestilence. Now I want to tell you something. I'm not here to tell you that the Bible says that Russia is going to go ahead and and invade Ukraine as they did. But I will tell you this. The Bible teaches that they're going to make a pathway to get into the Middle East. And if you look at the map to see it, it's as plain as day. I'm not telling you that, that, that COVID is specifically the pestilence that, that Matthew 24, 7 describes, but I'm going to tell you something. You, you may not classify it as pestilence, but it's certainly been a nuisance, right? I mean, it's something that ends in ends, right? It, it's there. It, it, it's real. It's brought a world to its knees really quick. Really quick. When I was growing up and I heard all these messages that as a 10 and 11 and 12-year-old, I thought, man, I can preach these in my sleep by now. I've heard them so many times because prophecy was, was huge. A conference on every corner and a service that was dedicated to those things because it, it was taking place. And I remember the movies Thief in the Night and all kinds of others that, that you would watch and lay awake and think, is it going to take place? Because it could take place anytime. I remember looking and asking myself, wow, what do those things mean to me and how do they play out in my life? I, I know these things, but, but why is it so important? I want to tell you why it's, it's so important. You see, the continuing prophecy things continue to unfold and, and events are being fulfilled right now before our very eyes that the word of God gives direction and much more than a hint that would happen. But I think one of the reasons it's so important that we talk about it, that we look at it, is because of the, the Christ described. I just read a, a moment ago a description of Jesus, the Christ. It says this verse number 13, in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. Well, what is that? That's the garment of a priest and a king. You see, Revelation is incredibly important, not just because of it, it being apocalyptic, but because it shows that Christ is a priest and he's a king. He gives us access to the throne room, and he is on the throne. We, we look and it says this, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. What does that mean? It means that from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, he's absolutely pure because the Bible says his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. There's no ounce of impurity in him. He walks where he wants to walk. He looks in the eye and, and he knows all things. It's the eyes of love, but at the same time, the eyes of judgment. It's the eyes of grace, yet the eyes of power. We look and we see Jesus described in an absolutely incredible way. It says his voice has the sound of many waters. What does that mean? It means that it can be calming. It means that it can be powerful. It means that it's very distinct. When you hear rushing water coming together, depending upon how close or how far away, it's going to make a different impact. John says, I'm up close, and this voice is as the voice of a trumpet, meaning it's distinct, meaning there was an announcement to be made, and that announcement was this, take a good look at Jesus, who he is, what he has done, what he is coming to do. And John gives us that description says he had in his right hand seven stars. He tells us what those are in verse number 20. And, and the right hand is a, a, a symbol of power. It's a symbol of control. And it means that Jesus has it all right there. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. That's the word of God. The word of God is powerful and quick and alive. 
It says his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. It means that sun shining in its strength is he is the sun. He's bright and he's all-powerful. But as John sees this, what does John do? John falls down in fear and reverence. But he said, he came to me and said, come close. Revelation isn't given so that we're afraid of him. It's written so that we'll revere him and understand that we need to come close to him. He's powerful, but he invites us to come close. He's personal. He wants us to know that we can trust him and that we can come to him. Why did I say that verse number 10 was so important? I'll tell you why. John was in exile. He says, your brother and companion in the tribulation means he's, he's got some problems. It says, kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. He said, I was on the island that called Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Christ. John is alone. John is in exile. He's isolated and he's persecuted. Yet when it came to the Lord's day, the first day, the Sunday, he was in the spirit. It's even though he was isolated, even though he was persecuted, even though other people didn't understand him, even other people said, look, I don't want anything to, to do with your faith, and here's what we need to do. We need to isolate you so that we can try and contain you, and this message cannot spread. Do you know what John continued to do in the midst of isolation and exile on an island that we could picture as a giant rock quarry? John takes a, a break from breaking stones, and he's up in years, and on the first day of the week, he says, it's time to meet with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he's a priority in my life. In exile, he's a priority. When I was preaching and people were listening to me, he was a priority. When I'm isolated and alone, and when culture is counter and it's against me, I'm still focusing on Jesus the Christ. Because one day, he is coming again. One day, he's going to come and rule and reign and be forevermore. And everyone will see it, and everyone will know it. And here's what John wanted. He didn't want anyone to miss it. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that John was in the spirit on the Lord's day because God said, look, he's in exile, he's alone, but he's still worshiping me. And today I'm going to interrupt John and do something a little more amazing than he ever dreamed in and through him. You remember one of the last conversations that the disciples have? Peter wants to know why John gets this, and others want to know why Peter gets that. And God says, you know what? Jesus tells them there's going to be things done in and through you that neither one of you want to know right now. Yet here's what happens. John makes him the central character of his life. And he lets us know that he's the central character of the book, that there's a clear purpose, that there's a calming promise, that prophecy continues and it unfolds. But he lets us know, he lets us know that the Christ that's described is real and he is coming again. So if you're a believer today, that's great. Let me ask you though. Is Christ the central character of your life? On the Lord's day, when everything else is against you, when there's no calming influence, when there's nothing that makes you comfortable, when things are going on that you don't like, is, is he still a priority? 
when the culture says, look, we don't want to hear about you, when your faith at work cost you the corner office that you thought you wanted, do you still continue to go ahead and worship him and make him the central character of your life? Because that's where John's at. And can I tell you something? It's time that that's where we as Christians and the church need to get back to. Christ being the central character of our life. On the day of the Lord when, when it's good and in the moment where life is tough, the central focus is what he needs to be. Today, if you're not a Christ follower, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to understand that as we look at Revelation chapter 1 and we see Jesus, we see a picture of a Savior who's already come and already gave his life for you. He wants you to trust him. He wants to come back and have you rule and reign with him for all eternity. But that takes faith on your part. That takes you saying, okay, all of these things have happened and they're contained in God's word. And they were prophesied thousands of years before it unfolded. And not one of them has been missed. I promise you, you can trust his word. You can trust him. So today, would you do it? Would you say today is the day that the best is yet to be for me because I'm going to trust him and I'm going to walk with him. Would you bow your heads with me? Today, I want to ask you for certain, do you know Christ? Are you certain that there's been that moment where you've, said, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm trusting you to be my savior. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. If there's not been that moment in your life, I want to give you that opportunity right here, right now. Jesus Christ came into this world and he lived his life perfect and sinless. And he went to the cross and he died there for you and for me. And if you've never trusted in his death and his burial and his resurrection now is the time so right now would you just say jesus the best i know how i'm asking you to forgive me of my sins i'm asking you to be my savior and to help me live my life for you if you've never done it but you would like to do it right now just ask him in your own words right from your heart to the heart of god Jesus, the best I know how, I'm, I'm confessing, I'm admitting that I'm a, a sinner and I need a Savior, and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my Savior. If you'll ask him to do that, he will save you. Maybe you're here today. You would say, John, I already know Christ is my Savior. But you know what? I, I've got family and friends that don't know Christ as, as my Savior. What, what can I do? The greatest thing that we can do is to make Christ the central focus of our life so that we recognize him, so that we see him, so that we live him out. John said we need to read it so that we understand it, let it sink into our, our hearts and our lives. When he said listen to it, that's what he meant. But he said live it, to go out and tell. You see, Revelation isn't given so that we can just sit and try and figure things out. It's given so that we know Jesus is real and he's coming again. So today, maybe you make a commitment. Maybe you make a commitment to say, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for that family member. I'm going to pray for that neighbor, that coworker. I'm going to witness. I'm going to share my faith with them because this is real. Maybe there's a, another aspect that you would just say, Lord, help me. To be in your spirit on the Lord's day. To be guided and be controlled by you so that you can do more things in and through my life. Whatever your need might be, let's offer up those prayers together. Father, we come to you today and we ask you to work in hearts and lives. If there's one here today that needs to trust you as Savior, I pray that right now they would say those words. Father, forgive me of my sins, and please be my Savior. Lord, help us to pray for those that we know need you and have yet to trust you. And Father, help us 
to align our life around your day, your person, your purpose, and your power. We ask all of these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're a part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.